Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Oh yes, Dan Housen here. Very nice, very evil, very finish. Here to tell you that you, hopefully, are listening to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Yes, it is a wonderful mix of wrestling history, discussion, and comedy. Yes, very good. Isn't that nice? Well, anyways, if you're not listening to it, how do you hearing Dan Housen say this right now? But nevertheless... If you're not listening to the Weekend to Wrestle podcast, you're cursed. You're listening to the Weekend Wrestle podcast. Now it's time for our host, Nate. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate Maxson, your host, here with you, along with Mr. Archie Mitchell. What's up? And Mr. Technical Difficulties, Aaron Maxson. Hey. Aaron's having issues tonight, so we're going to try to keep him on the show. Um, Before we start, just want to wish everybody, whatever you celebrate this week, whether you are celebrating Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Festivus, that's what I celebrate, the Festivus for the rest of us. For the rest of us, that's right. Yes, and now the airing of grievances. Want to wish you all a happy holiday, whatever you celebrate, and thank you for supporting the show and the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network. And um, that being said, what we're going to be doing this week is uh, we're going to be taking a trip down memory lane, as we usually do in this show, but we played last time with the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter, I think from 92 was the year that we did, the year-end awards. Um, This year, 1990, or this time around, we're going to go into the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter awards. I can, it's easy for me to say, from 1995. I did it. Yes, you did. I'm taking uh, taking your phone out of the studio, and we're good now. All right. Okay, Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, <laughs> Christmas. Happy holidays. Yeah, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Merry Christmas. That's how we roll here on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. That's fantastic. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. No, it was perfect. It was my Gilbert moment. Sorry. The reason for the season. But yes, that's what we're doing, everybody. We're going through the Pro Wrestling Torch Newsletter Awards from 1995. I'm going to give the uh, the categories, 
and the guys have come up with their guesses for who they think may have won said categories for 95. Obviously, I have the awards in front of me, so I'm not going to guess, but I will say who I think, you know, my opinion of who that should have been that year. Um, 95? Some of you are going to get mad because we don't pick fucking some shit from Japan, but I didn't see shit from Japan in 1995. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what Japan was in 1995 for wrestling. You knew we nuked it in World War II. That's about what yeah, we knew. Yeah, about it. I didn't see there. all of it. No, and um, and it's also and it's the torch, so it's not going to be all Japan. No, it's not the Observer. Um, the the other thing I want to say before we dig into it, um, ninety five kind of gets panned by a lot of people, and I don't know if it's just because it's it was it was during my heights of my youth watching pro wrestling or whatever, but I have many, many, and I know we've said it on the show before, but I have many, many fond memories of 95. I actually dig 1995. Um, WCW is pretty rough uh, with, with, with Hogan running rough shot, but I guess I'll say this. I really like the WWF in 95. Um, Yes. The gimmicks and stuff were still around, but they had some really good wrestling. Um, the WWF was definitely at the top of the mountain, still in '95. But if you could get past the uh, get past Hogan and the Dungeon of Doom, WCW still had some shining moments too. Yeah, there was well, and there was really good stuff in the undercard, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, you had to get past the card. The very like, you know, they say Vince Rousseau in WCW without the filter of Vince McMahon. Right, ninety-five WCW is also almost Hulk Hogan without the filter of Vince McMahon. You know, like it's like, right. all right, Vince. Vince knew how to drew, drew the fine line between the cartoony shit right. and the wrestling, and Hogan went full on. Him and Sullivan went full on cartoon in ninety-five at some point, and it but, almost uh, seemed like they were trying to up one up each other with who could make it more outlandish and crazy, mm-hmm. like. Okay, we're gonna get you in the Dungeon of Doom's uh, uh, dungeon area, and we're gonna transport you there. What if I touch water and it's not hot, not cold? Right. Okay. What if you <laughs> say there's no Hulkamaniac here? What if I face the giant in a sumo trunk match? What? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> they were smoking something back then. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to what the fuck is going on? Championship wrestling, everybody. Right. All right, here we go. Let's dig into it. Nineteen ninety-five. Pro Wrestling Torch, who do you guys think the list, the listeners, the uh, readers of the Torch voted as the MVP in Pro Wrestling of 1995? Oh, Aaron, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll put who I, like, if I'm voting for it, um, in my opinion, the MVP of 1995 was Bret Hart. That was also That's mine. That's a good choice. I agree. Um, let's see here. Number three, Eddie Guerrero. Number yeah. two, number two, Bret Hart. And number one, Shawn Michaels. Wow. I mean, he did have a very strong year. He had a he 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 pulled Kevin Nash to a great main event at WrestleMania 11. He had that great match with Jarrett. At that in your house for the Intercontinental title, him and Razor. I I like the SummerSlam ladder match in '95 better than the WrestleMania 10 ladder match. So, yeah, uh, but, but I Brett was Brett was fighting everyone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This this wasn't just like this wasn't Brett that we knew in '97, where everybody was trying to screw him and everybody was you know 
this was a different Bret Hart. And it didn't matter whether it was Bob Backlund, one, two, three kid, Hakushi, Jerry Lawler, Bret Hart was giving us don't, 15 to 20, 30 minute matches with don't, everybody. Don't sleep on those matches with Jean Pierre Lafitte either. Those yeah, are some, that's what I'm saying. Damn. <laughs> you know what I mean? He wasn't, it just wasn't like a 10 minute match with somebody and he was beating them soundly. He was giving 25 and 30 minute matches with guys that looked like they might beat him. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, I understand Shawn Michaels. Yes, I agree. 1A, 1B, definitely. But yeah, wow. But yeah, I just think it's Brett. He, um, like Arch was saying, did, he, he didn't have any. Um, I don't want to say it. He didn't have any problem working with anybody. Mm-hmm. Nope. And and he wasn't a he wasn't like a, a pain in the ass or anything like that. Yeah. Like, that's the that's the thing about Sean is you can say how great he is and I think he's great and everything, but at the end of the day, some of the shit that he did and things like that, it's like he wasn't he wasn't for the wrestling business. He was for the. Sean Michaels business Shawn himself right mm-hmm. but yeah I think we all we all uh, kind of came to a consensus on that one then the MVP for 95 Brett Hart um, now also I will say I can see why Eddie came in third in the votes too because he had a very strong 95 um, that was his first I mean yeah ECW was where he really got noticed in the states first in like 94 right. and early 95 but in WCW, that was his first like pe- where people got to see Eddie Guerrero on a national stage and be like, "God damn, this is a talented dude." And he didn't hold back. Eddie, mm-hmm. Eddie went for a five star match every night. Him and Benoit no both. Who, oh, him, Benoit, Malenko, even Saturn when he came into WCW, whether he was in the flock or not, those four really came in and were like, "You know what? Paul gave us to go ahead to do what we wanted in ECW." Bischoff, don't give a crap what we're doing. Right. Let's just do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So. All right, unless there's anything else on that, we'll move to the next category. Go ahead. The best wrestler of 1995. Um, I will go with my pick first. Go ahead. I think the best wrestler of 1995 was Bret Hart. <laughs> and I agree. You know? I I'm, I'm again. I'm chopped between you know. There, there were a lot of great wrestlers that year. Benoit, obviously, Guerrero again, Malenko, but they were only getting five, six minutes on you know casually on Nitro, or you know a Saturday night. Brett was getting it every week on Monday Night Raw, and mm-hmm. on pay per view. So, gotta be Brett. Brett was mine as well. Um, I think for kind of I think for kind of all the same reasons we just brought up with him being the MVP. Yeah. So he doesn't even make the top three in that category. Well, that's horseshit. Number three is Chris Benoit. Number two is Eddie Guerrero. And number one is Shawn Michaels. Wow. So Michael's definitely uh, sweeping these first two big categories. You, you get the feeling that maybe the torch were big Shawn Michaels fans in '95. <laughs> I think so. Um, so I can see, I can see a case for, I can see a case for all three. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I like I said, I definitely go with Brett personally, my personal choice. But the top three, I don't think is is. 
out of the realm of, you know, where anything, it's nothing yeah. ludicrous, you know, it's nothing where you say, ah, oh, bullshit, you know. I'd see, say there the, is no, go ahead, Aaron. I was just going to say, like, I don't see anything wrong with the picks they had either, but I'd put them, like, in that order after Brett. Right, and right. <laughs> yeah. Right. See, the, the, what, what I'm remembering, and, you know, we've all recently rewatched things and seen things again. 95 was, was it, 94 was Brett's coming out year. 95 was Brett's defining year, in mm-hmm. my opinion. It's when he mm-hmm. started to show people, this is why they put the company on my back when Hogan and Savage left and there was nobody else around. And you well, know what? He made the right argument because that's why they put it on his back. And I think some of that comes for, came from, I mean, he didn't necessarily at that time have, like, he didn't have issues with Sean at this time yet. Nope. Um, he didn't have a big issue with the click, but I think what it was is it's one of those things where he is, he is, if anything you can say about Bret Hart, he is at heart. He truly is a fan of the wrestling business right? and thinks he is the best. And I think you're right. I think the reason this was his defining year was because he was, he, he's like Vince. He's best when he's swimming upstream, you know. Right. He right. looked around and saw, oh, Vince is pushing Diesel. Vince is right. pushing Shawn Michaels. Vince has forgotten about me. I'm going to show him. I'm going to show everybody why I'm better than these guys that Vince would rather push above me. So like you said, Archie, they handed him Bob Backlund. He got good shit out of Bob Backlund. They handed him Hakushi. He tore it up with Hakushi. Right. They handed him Dr. Isaac Yankum, DDS. And he made him look like a million bucks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he. if anybody could have gotten over an evil dentist gimmick, it was Bret Hart. Because Lawler and Yankum weren't doing it on their own. <laughs> Aaron, anything else on that one? Nope, just the fact that, um, like I said, to me, what makes a great wrestler is being able to have a great match with anybody. Uh, anybody. And not being selfish. And right, and like I said, Shawn Michaels could have a great match with anybody, but he was fucking selfish. Well, and that, that's the other thing I was going to say is although he although he definitely believes his own hype a lot, as far as in the ring goes, Bret Hart was really only selfish one time. Yeah, and it was right. it was Montreal. That was the other than that, right. he may not have liked to have to job to. Diesel or whatever, but you know what? He went out there and he gave you know, fucking Kevin did. Nash. Yeah, he gave Kevin Nash the best matches of his career. You know, and made him day, look like a million yeah, bucks. At the end of the day, he'd state his case and then be like, "Well, all right, then. My case. <laughs> let me say what yeah. I had to say." But Brett, but Vince is signing my track. So, and that's mm-hmm. that's just that's, that's the, oh god, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead, Aaron. Finish up. Go ahead. I was just gonna say that's the difference between somebody that grew and I'm not saying Shawn Michaels doesn't like professional wrestling or whatever, but that's the difference between somebody that grew up in the professional wrestling business and somebody that got into the professional wrestling business. Because, because I guarantee that Stu was just like, Hey, Hey there. uh, He's at the end of the day, he's the pay and the bills. You know what I mean? And, 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 and Brett probably saw guys that was Stu would say, this is what we're going to do and be like, no, no, no. 
And then Stu was like, okay, go, go, go. Like, you can get yeah. out. And it was like, right. hey, I've seen it happen. At the end, like at the end of the day, this is what the promotion wants. And it's not, it's not what's best for me. It's what's best for the company. Right. Right. Well, I mean, what I was going to say, just to touch upon briefly, Brett says in a shoot interview that Shawn Michaels, Diesel, and Razor came up to him one night and said, you know, we want you in the click with us. And he said, well, what's the click? And he said, well, it's us three and Sean Waltman, and we're going to bring in Hunter Hearst Helmsley, and us five are going to rule the, the wrestling business because we're going to control all the belts, and we're going to control who gets to be at the top with us. So one night I'll wrestle Razor, and Brett, you'll wrestle Diesel, and we'll let Sean and, and, and Hunter fight each other and, you know, back and forth, and then we'll keep everybody else down. And when Brett heard that, now I don't know how true this is, could could just be Brett being a little bit bitter over all the animosity he had with Sean, but Brett said, but I don't want to hold anybody down. Why am I going to stop somebody from growing in this business and making a living in it if they're going to help me get better and themselves? Right. We said Jean-Pierre Lafitte. That guy was great as the Quebecers, but as that pirate gimmick, he wasn't that great. But when he was in the ring with Brett, they both got better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Brett got to show off how he could do against the big guy, and Jean-Pierre got to show how he could do against a technical wrestler. So Brett, again, like Aaron said, like you said, wasn't about taking from the wrestling business he was about giving back mm-hmm. yeah. you know so it just goes to show who was selfish and who wasn't best heel of 1995 Ooh, i'd have to i mean on my list i have a couple of names here and it's between uh, honestly it's between <laughs> Kevin Sullivan, because of all he was doing with Hogan, and obviously the readers were going to be the ones voting. Mm-hmm. Flair, because he was still a big antagonist in WCW. But then on the WWE side, WWF side, I, I would say it was Sean, because at the ending of 94, 95, he was facing Diesel and was still a heel. Right. So it's between those three for me. But Sean would probably be number one, but who am I? Aaron? Mine's Ric Flair. Okay. Any particular reason or just he was consistent? He was consistent. Um and he's in a um how do I say it? He was like just consistent and he was like the best heel in WCW and like um the WWF heel side was really yeah, I mean, you got Sid. Really, really yeah. weak. Yeah. In 95, it's like, um, and I'm not disparaging anybody, but when right. when 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 you're when you're going King Mabel in your main event, you're just mm. like, oh, you're, you're, <laughs> yeah. The, like, the the matches and everything were good. And that's the one, like you were saying, but like the heel side of the WWF in 1995 was really rough, especially yeah. at the beginning of it. Like really bad. I've expounded on this on the show before, um, so I won't beat a dead horse, but I will tell everybody why, just in case you've never heard me say it. My favorite heel in wrestling in 1995 was Cactus Jack. Um, The anti-ECW promos are some of my favorite promos ever. And he just, he was nuclear in that ECW arena. Uncle Uncle Eric and Popovich. Yeah, he's he's he was he's my favorite heel of '95 is is Cactus Jack. 
Um, and you know what the like, funniest thing is? When he walked, do you remember when he walked out with the WWF and W shirt? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Joey Styles was like, what the fuck is that? They bleeped it out and just like, wow. <laughs> do you know what he said was the thing that got the biggest reaction? What? It was when he took off his shirt and he had the airbrushed Dungeon of Doom. <laughs> yes, yes. Like airbrushed Kamala and Giant and Kevin Sullivan. He said that was the worst. People were fucking mad. So let's see what the torch readers said. Number three is Cactus Jack. All right. Number two is Raven. Makes sense. And number one is Ric Flair. So there you go. Um, the only thing that I would say, the only thing that, the only misstep they made, because Flair was, even though, you know, Hogan's obviously playing his politics and he's on top, it actually helped Flair, and I'll, I'll get off this in a second, it helped Flair, I think, being pushed down, because he got to have a great feud with Savage, and et cetera, et cetera. The only thing that happened with Ric Flair in 95 that was just a total never should have happened, they never should have had him versus Arn. That was a bad idea. Well, ninety four. No, that was ninety five, wasn't it? That was the. I think it was Fall Brawl ninety five. Okay, you're right. I believe, but it, it never should have happened, though. It was it was bad. Like you would on paper, I guess you know, and like fantasy booking, you're like, oh, that sounds cool. Break up Arn and Ric Flair and have them wrestle each other, and then it happened, and it was just like, no, that does not work. <laughs> I was going to say, I took it all the way to the end of of December, but I was wrong. One time. (laughs) Uh, You shouldn't have had them, but if you were going to have them feud, at least make it a more believable feud. Like, okay, they had the one match, Pillman got involved. Okay, go to Sting. Sting, will you be my partner? Yeah, but if you turn on me, I'm going to kill you. You'll be dead, 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 dead. And the very next night, what happens? Yeah. Turn on him. <laughs> yes. Like, we could have gotten a couple weeks build up to this. Something. You know what I mean? You know? <laughs> Best baby face of 1995. Aaron, go ahead. You go for it. This guy's sweeping shit in 95. It's Bret Hart. <laughs> I'm saying, Bret I'm Hart say because, I'm gonna say it's, it's Shawn Michaels because the way this list is going, it's gotta be <laughs> Shawn Michaels. Well, I agree with Aaron. I think that the best baby face of '95 was Bret Hart. But let's see what the torch readers said. Number three, Sting. Okay. Number two, Bret Hart. Told you. And number one. Shawn Michaels. Told you. <laughs> I mean, he did. I can see why, because he turned face in 95, and he was pretty fucking red hot, you know. Um, he was he was the guy coming up. And notice that nobody's voting for uh, the WCW or the WWF champion in any of this. Yeah. No, no, vote, no, no big wins for Hogan or Diesel right. in 95. <laughs> But uh, I agree. Like I said, I mean, I don't know how much we can beat this Bret Hart horse to death, but I agree with Aaron. I think it was Bret Hart, my personal it opinion. It could have been Bret. 
It should have been Brett. If it wasn't going to be Brett, then, I mean, who else was really that over as a face in 95? Right. Because Hogan Hogan and Savage were getting mixed reactions. So you really can't call them a face. You know, and as you said, no one's giving it to the champions. Diesel was over, but not, you know, like... Diesel, Diesel suffered from the same thing that Roman Reigns suffered from. When he became a babyface and a champion, right? they changed him. They stopped letting him be what made him popular in the first place. Right. People wanted exactly. the tweener Diesel, the badass. You know, They didn't want the well, smiling, sweater-wearing fucking Kevin Nash. Sean, Sean Michaels said the thing that caught his eye about Kevin Nash is that he, he reminded him of Andrew Dice Clay when he saw him as Vinny Vegas. Let me mm-hmm. Same thing as a young kid. I said, hey, this guy's like Andrew Dice Clay. Right. And he had that mean streak, that real vicious looking side. All of a sudden, when you gave him, you made him turn on Sean or Sean turned on him. He goes wild. He beats the entire Survivor Series team. He beats Backlund the next night in, what was it, eight seconds or 18 seconds. Yeah. Wins the title. And now he's Bill Cosby. And not, yeah. I drug you when we go out on a date to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. You know, the, the, the wholesome Bill Cosby. He's you know? wholesome Bill Cosby and not hickory dickory duck. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Little Miss Muffet sat on a tuffet eating their curves and whey. <laughs> Along came a spider that sat down beside it and said, Hey, bitch. Hey, what's in the, what's in the bowl, what's in the bowl? bitch? <laughs> <laughs> what was the best TV show of 95? ECW. I agree. I, I agree. The Readers of the uh, Torch, number three, Monday Nitro. Number two, number two, Monday Night Raw. And number one, ECW. So that's kind of in agreement. I I actually am surprised, or I don't know, I'm surprised Nitro, because it was new, didn't beat Raw just for the fresh, like the newness of it or whatever. But um, I guess you also did have... Hulk Hogan doing the Phantom of the Opera mask and some goofy-ass shit going on on Nitro. So for all of its wonder of being a new program, it really did have some... And huh, could we, lest we forget the weekly Whose Side is Lex Luger on storyline. Uh. <laughs> then he did burn, like, he did set a newsletter on fire, so obviously they weren't going to like him then. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that was an easy. Hogan one. had a Hogan had a little brief time in '95 where he was trying to trying to dig at the at the newsletters. Yeah. they were fucking with him, so he's like, "I'm gonna fuck back," and it's like, "Don't." It didn't work. <laughs> what was the? This was a little tougher. What was the match of the year for 1995? This is where I was saying I don't know about Japan, so don't be mad at me, people. But there's no uh, Japanese yeah. matches on here yeah, anyway. Okay. Um. But you know, there's one smart mark that listens to our yeah. show. It's it's Kawada versus Kabashi. No, we don't yeah. know about that. You know what I mean? We didn't yeah. know about that back then. But for what I saw in 1995, and you guys are like, "Oh my God, here it is again!" It's uh, <laughs> Bret Hart versus the British Bulldog from In Your House Five. Awesome match. I love that. I, I agree. There's an awesome match. I'm going to go with Bret Hart versus Diesel from the Royal Rumble. And there you go. 
I'm going with Bret Hart versus Diesel at the Survivor Series. Yes. Now my 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 one A is Sean and Razor in the ladder match at SummerSlam. But I just really like the the ladder matches is is fantastic. But I think I like the 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 Brett Diesel match is good because it's a good match and the story's so good. It told a story, right? It told such and a, and oh, and, and that's a wholesome story at the same time. You know what I mean? And and Aaron brings up a fantastic match with Bulldog and Brett too. And that was so much different because at this time, okay, first of all, at this time you barely got juice in the WWF. There's juice all over the place yeah. <laughs> in that match right. at that at that uh, in your house. And I'll give you guys the Diesel Brett thing and 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 um, storyline wise, that was really cool. I was just kind of going off just match quality in general, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying they had bad matches, right. but that one was cool because it kind of bookended their year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the Royal well, Rumble, where at the Royal Rumble they had that was the one with the schmas where everybody ran in. Yes, right? yes, and they they had had the the at the match at the King of the Ring previously in '94. Yeah, but but yeah, I'm just talking about a calendar year of pay per views that bookended it because WWF mm-hmm. didn't have a pay per view. No, they did because in your house they didn't have like a major pay per view in December. So right. it was like right. the first major pay per view of the year was Brett and Diesel, and we didn't get a finish. The final end match, it's like this calendar year, and now Brett has been the guy to take it off of Diesel. Yeah. I just right. I like I don't know if that was I don't know if that was planned in their mind or if it See, just happened that way. But. what I what I will say to give Aaron his credit on the Bulldog and Brett match, it was a total turnaround from their first match at Wembley Stadium in ninety two because we went from that we're a family. We're going to stay a family. We love each other, but we, we also are competitive. And we weren't quite sure if these two guys were going to beat the crap out of each other in the match and not ever talk again. Mm-hmm. To their match in 95 being, I've always hated you, Brett. And Diana's sitting there going, Brett Hart has turned, destroyed our family. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, talk about a total 180. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got the gifts for you, Brett. And they're full of pain and heartache. I've got the <laughs> gifts. Now, um, they, they should have tried to find the, the uh, bulldog's going to win, whether he wants to or not, kid again, yeah. around this time and see what he says this time. Brett's going to lose whether he wants to or not. <laughs> All right, let's see what the torch reader said. Uh, 95, number three. Hmm. Was this just from a Nitro or is this on a pay-per-view? Eddie Guerrero versus Dean Malenko. Did they do Havoc? Was it Halloween Havoc? Or I'm not sure. I'm sure they wrestled on a pay-per-view at some they point. They wrestled like five times in 1995. And the way they have that this listed here, they don't actually say like what. But anyway, number two is Shawn Michaels and Jeff Jarrett from In Your House. Well, so Shawn's not going to be number one this time? Wow. Well, probably. And number one, Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon in the ladder match You're at joking. SummerSlam. <laughs> <laughs> Who did Brett piss off at the torch? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Best feud of 1995. And actually, this one, um, this one's interesting. Go ahead, guys. Um, for me, it's the Macho Man, Randy Savage, and Ric Flair. Good feud. Very it's good feud. Like, it's, 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 Honestly, like, like I've, I think I've said this before, WCW did Ric Flair and Randy Savage better than the WWF did. 
Yep. Definitely. Yep. Definitely. I was going to say the two things. The two things that they got, <laughs> excuse me, better. At, I mean, they did things better later on, but what with Hogan and Savage coming into WCW, they did Flair and Savage better. And initially, initially, they did Hogan and Flair better. Yeah. They did a great job of hyping that first match and hyping them. You know, this is the match of the century. It's the match we've never seen on pay-per-view, et cetera, et cetera. Now, later on, they fucking boned Flair and made him look like an idiot. But, yeah, you're you right, Aaron. They definitely – They And you know what? I think um, – Archie, what was your pick? Feud of the year? I'm, I'm, with, I'm with Aaron on, on being Savage and Flair because, again, what a total 180 from what WWF did from – I was with Miss Elizabeth before Randy was with her and Randy being so pissed off that when we got to them in WCW, Flair wasn't even really talking about Liz because he had woman at the time. But Mm -hmm. then Elizabeth turns and makes the feud so much better now because we're on a different level now. Right. You know what I mean? Now Randy's Mm -hmm. fighting for something other than the title. You know, so. Yeah. And um, I I will. uh, Than anything else going on. I will now unveil what I thought the feud of 1995 was. Look at my Randy Savage and Ric Flair. I had to, so we're all in agreement there because um, I, I, what could I think what had a potential to be the feud of the year, but it got screwed up because of injuries, timing, just shit that happened for some reason. I think that the potential feud of the year could have been Sean and Sid. Cause yeah, coming coming out of WrestleMania and that angle that they did and everything, and then they just they just kind of morphed it instead into Diesel and 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 uh, Sid. Right. Um. But I I think that that from the outset that had the potential to be really good, but it just never you know it wound up being what it wound up being the one where Eric Bischoff got to say, "Well, Shawn Michaels beat Sid in the YMCA." You know it. It just yeah, it didn't right. ever it didn't ever amount to much really until later on down the line in like '96. But anyway, let's see what the torch readers said. Number three, Public Enemy and the Gangsters. Okay. Number two, Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero. Definitely, that feud spanned three companies. And well, I also think that one's more. Not more based less on the story and more on the matches, yeah. Right, right. And then number one, and when I say this, you guys are gonna go fuck. You're probably right. Raven and Dreamer. Yeah. Well, yeah, but here's where I'll make an argument, and maybe you guys are gonna say I'm wrong. Not many people had the channels to watch ECW back then. So, right. you know what I mean? This was probably but, but, based on... But I will counter that. You know. I will counter that with most people who read dirt sheets probably did, though. Probably, right. you know, right. trading tapes and getting their hands on it any way they right. could. So so that was Look, the... I, uh, I think that was a great view. I, it was, I mean, it lasted forever. And they always kept it fresh. 
they and it was included one another. You know what I mean? But yeah, and also seventy five percent of everything on ECW television spawned or revolved around that feud. It was spawned from or it was the nucleus <laughs> of ECW. Yeah. Oh, without that. Best pay per view of ninety five. Ooh, that's a tough one. I was I was on the fence with this because. There's a pay-per-view that a lot of people deadpan, and it's because of the main event. And it's actually, a, until you get to the main event, it's actually a pretty good show. It's like SummerSlam 95 is a pretty good pay <coughs> That's actually my pick, too. Um, it's not my pick, though. Oh, okay. And the re- I, I said this, this is where I, this is the only thing on the net, on the list where I was conflicted. And the reason I didn't pick it is because of Diesel and Mabel. Like, ugh, I can't. I can't bring myself to do it because of that. So I went with the 95 Royal Rumble. Which is also really good. But yeah, SummerSlam 95. I If I watch it, I don't watch Diesel. I, I cut it off. That's not the, my main event. But but yeah. yeah, I really dig that pay-per-view. It had a really good undercard, like an odd undercard. Yeah, It was like going back to the old WrestleManias where you just throw some matches together. Right, but yeah, like Haku, Hakushi and X-Pac. Or one, two, three, kid at the time, fucking light it up at the beginning. Bob, Hell, the, the Bob, guns and the the guns and the Blue Brothers yeah, have a good Bob, tag match. Bob Holly and Triple H have a pretty good match. Mm-hmm. Um, um I, Isaac Yankum, yeah, you know, it's it's a good show. I'm uh, I'm with Aaron on the. Uh... Survivor, you said Survivor Series, didn't you, Aaron? No, I said Royal Rumble '95. Royal Rumble. I'm with Aaron on Royal Rumble. I have I have SummerSlam as well here, but mm-hmm. and it's not even so much as Mabel versus Diesel. There was there was some great undercard matches, but Royal Rumble was just better put together. The Torch Reader said number three was the Survivor Series. Number two was Starcade, which that was the one with all the Japanese guys yeah. on it. Yeah. Right. And number one was SummerSlam. Right. So there you go. All right. If you got a booty main event, I can't vote for you. If you, it's the whole best pay-per-view and the and there's a booty main event, I can't do it. <laughs> so now we go into our next category here, and it is Rising Star. Of 1995. Wait, you mean Shawn Michaels might not have a chance of winning an award? Yeah, I don't think he'll win oh, this man. one. <laughs> My pick was Eddie Guerrero. Oh, uh, I would go with Eddie too. I mean, they were really giving him the ball here early on to have as best of a match as he could with anybody, and he um, was. My pick, and I I agree with you guys. Eddie had a good 95 and everything. But my pick is Chris Benoit, and and the, re- yeah. is, and the reason is is because Eddie was doing cool shit and everything, but Benoit was getting put in the horseman, and Benoit was get you know you know what I mean like mm-hmm. they, they were they weren't doing anything with Eddie, you know what I mean right? And I don't wow. I don't be like they weren't doing anything with him. I'm saying like he wasn't getting the. When, the when they put you in the, when they put you in the horseman and they put you with Flair and Arn and and that strap that's them saying you're you're good we're strapping the rocket ship to you here you mm-hmm. know what I mean because other than Roma 
I mean, what other <laughs> fucking shit bird did they ever put in the horseman? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, so that's Bobble. why. It's, but eh, he wasn't a shit bird. He wasn't he as was big as a horseman. He was not a horseman. I, I I disagree. I think that he was perfect for the role that he was put in in the horse. As a manager, yes, but not as a wrestler. But for me, it was it was Benoit ninety five. The torch readers voted, and they voted number three, Mikey Whipwreck. Okay, all right. Number two, Eddie Guerrero. Okay, and number one, Hunter Hurst. Oh, you mean Shawn Michaels Jr. (laughs) (laughs) At this time, he was more like William Regal Jr. Right, but still, best friends with Shawn. Yeah, this was definitely, they they definitely had a bone to pick with anybody else besides the clique. Career tailspin of 95. Now, I want to express my opinion, and I don't think, let me look here. This guy, my guy's not in the list, but I think the career tailspin of 95 through no fault of his own is Vader. Because Hogan came in and scared of him. him. He might (laughs) might hit me too hard. I'm scared of him. (laughs) Things just, again, like I said, that's why I'm reiterating. It's through no fault of his own, but Vader... With all with with Hogan and all like Duggan and all the former WWF guys coming in, he he just you know before they showed up, he was the diamond and you know what I mean, and in yeah. WCW and then and then they those guys come in and and he's jobbing to Duggan and he's jobbing to Hogan and uh, yeah just Vader's my opinion. But. Where was somebody on the WCW roster like a Ric Flair to go? I've lost to Vader. Rick Rude lost to Vader. Sting lost to Vader. But Hogan and Savage aren't going to lose to Vader. <laughs> you know right. What I mean? Yeah. It's like, but um, for me, honestly, honestly, uh, I'm uh, I'm not going you know, to knock no. you or anything like that. But but Randy Savage would have lost to Vader because Randy Savage is he like not when he was on a team with Hogan, though. Well, I'm not talking about a team. I'm talking like singles. Like Randy, if they would have said, "Hey, we want you to go put out, put over Leon," like All right, oh, because because Randy, oh, Randy's like Randy's like Brett. Randy what? isn't about the Randy business. Randy's about the wrestling business. He would have done right. it. But all them other schmucks, they wouldn't have done it. <laughs> and I'm sure, and, like maybe, I'm sure, probably maybe Jim Duggan was like, "Sure, I'll put him over," and Hogan probably pulled him aside, but like, yeah. Listen, brother, that ain't gonna work. And then Doug is well, like, oh, okay. And I and I don't want to harp on it anymore, other than just to say this. It's also one of the biggest miscalculations of Hogan's career. Putting his political thing over doing what he did with Vader, because essentially to me, the way Hogan booked his feud with Vader left money on the table. Yeah. Well, and he didn't. He didn't want to work with him that much because he didn't want to get hurt. It's the same thing with Rick Rude. That's why Rick Rude said, fucking I'm out. Because no, Hogan it, wasn't going to work with Rude because, honestly, Hogan pissed Rude off in the WWF and fucking knew, knew. Mm-hmm. He's not in WWF anymore. And if this guy wants to give me a fucking uppercut, like, th- th- he was in a company where you can't get fired. 
Yeah. You can get told to go home, but they're still going to get paid. Right. So Rue could have been like, look, I'm not going to get anywhere with this guy anyway. So if I want to fucking stiff him, I'll stiff him. And then they were like, you got to, I can't believe you did that. Go home. Okay. Right. So get fine. Because you can't fire him. Bye, Felicia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, career tailspin, and it's not, again, uh, through no fault of his own, uh, Steve Austin. Because he, everything that was going on, remaster, the little time in ECW, he was trying to redefine himself, yes, but it still took him a year or so, two years to, to jump up and actually get somebody to take notice. Hey, I know what I'm doing with my with my career. Right. You know <clears> what I mean? If, and finally get somebody to listen. And thank God JR was there to listen. Because without JR, guys like Austin and, my, and Mick Foley would not have gotten the chance to do what they wanted in WWF. Mm-hmm. So I go with Austin. Mine is Bam Bam Bigelow. Hmm. Really? Yeah. It's like, you go, like, tell me another guy that, like, main evented a WrestleMania like that and was, like, the big match and gotten a thing with the star out of the business or whatever. And then afterwards, just. Yeah, and I mean. It's kind of like Vader, was of no fault of his own. Right. Bammer got in there and then started getting (laughs) push when the click got in there and they didn't fucking like him. So they yep. just squashed they him. Undercut him. Yeah. They undercut and, him, yeah. They undercut him and do anything with him. Like, he went from being possibly getting the the biggest push of his career to just nothing. Yeah, he's um, well, he starts the year off feuding with LT, going into WrestleMania, the main event, literally main event WrestleMania. And by the time the year's over. Good, and gets a goddamn good match out of a guy that's mm-hmm. never had a wrestling match. Before. Yeah. I know, he got, the, I know Patterson taught him and everything like that, but but Bammer got a hell of a fucking match at LT. Yeah, and by the end of the year, he is jobbing to Gold Dust at Survivor Series, and then he's gone. Yeah, <laughs> but but he left and went to ECW, won a couple pieces of gold, went to WCW, and yeah, the hardcore division there was pretty crappy, but I like just working the New Jersey Triad with DDP and uh, Canyon. You know what I mean? I thought that worked pretty well. So, I mean, he didn't, thank God he didn't, like, Vader went from WCW to the WWF, and then they fumbled the ball with him there even worse. Bam Bam at least tried to rebound and did something with his career afterwards. Well, I know, but in, in 1995, that shit bombed No, out. you're right. I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> like, really quick. No, I know. I know. So the readers of the Pro Wrestling Torch said number three, Bam Bam Bigelow. Number two, Hulk Hogan. Wow. And number one, and I can see this one too, with all the fanfare and everything from the beginning. And this one might even, hold on, this one might even be, it might even be more accurate than Bigelow. It's Shane Douglas. Because he comes into the WWF in August, and he is gone by December. Get the fuck out of here. I mean, he came in with a lot of fanfare and bravado, and and again, it's yeah, politics. But... It's the click. But, yeah, I mean. Honestly, it was the click, but even if the click was like, yeah, he's all right. He was getting nowhere with that fucking gimmick. Well, no. you both nowhere know how, 
you both know what kind of Shane Douglas mark I am. I am literally, if I met Shane Douglas in person, I would Wayne Campbell out and be like, I'm not worthy. I, I love Shane <laughs> Douglas. He he basically was getting rat holed the minute he got into that company. Mm-hmm. That gimmick was piss poor. No one has ever made it with a teacher gimmick in the WWF or WWE. Right. Christopher Nowinski, Matt Stryker might have made it slightly because he was a manager, but as a wrestler, he was horrible as being a teacher. We got a guy in NXT now called Andre Chase who's doing it too. It's bullshit. But then the click, and I, re- I recall Shane saying during a shoot interview that on his last night with the company, because he was in Madison Square Garden, he couldn't wrestle because he blew out his back. Vince went to him and said, well, since you're going out anyway, Go out and cut a promo to the fans. and Give us one of those franchise uh, promos I've been hearing about. Why didn't you let him do it for the eight months he was there, Vince? Right. Yeah. Why didn't you let him come out on TV in dress in, in street clothes on his first night and call out Shawn Michaels like he was doing in ECW, mm-hmm. you know, or call out Flair or Hogan and let him actually be Shane Douglas? Why did he have to be Dean Douglas? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so yeah. yeah, it was it by no fault of his own. Yeah, Shane definitely got screwed in WWF. All right, 1995 tag team of the year. Aaron, how about you start us out? Uh, Harlem Heat. Really and, good choice. Uh, if you look at the tag teams, like there's good tag teams all across 95, but some of them got weak. Whatever, mm-hmm. but I just I as as the package deal like them with Sherry and the fucking entrance and the tights and the and and, and everything just as the complete package. And honestly, I maybe Ray gets some gets some static sometimes for not being that great, but and he, he wasn't he wasn't super great as a singles, yeah. but when he was in the tag, he was passable as a singles. Mm-hmm. Like like I. I'm not going to want to knock the guy either, but I would compare Stevie Ray as a singles wrestler to Billy Gunn. You know what I mean? I, like I'd looked, agree maybe he, even in Jim Nightmare. He's big, he's impressive looking, but he ain't going to do anything that you go home and be like, God damn, that Stevie Ray match. Right. That was amazing. But you're also not going to go home and be like, man, that Stevie Ray match was, was dog shit. Stunk up the joint, yeah. yeah but, but it, as a tag team... Fucking Harlem Heat in '95. I think they were, they were the best tag team in '95, in my opinion. They were having the best consistent matches. What do you think, Archie? I'm gonna go with Rick and Scott Steiner. I mean, '95, um, '96. They were they were putting on some great matches, some great promos, and you know, '96, '97. Obviously, they were with the Outsiders most of that time, mm-hmm. uh, but. In 95, them and Harlem Heat had some of the best matches I've ever seen. I I actually, my pick, I had a hard time. And it, it's for two different reasons. Hard times, baby. Hard times, baby. Putting hard I times on my time. family. I'm having hard times finding Orange Julius in this mall. <laughs> um, they... I have I have a kind of a tie and and they, it's it's kind of for two different reasons. Harlem Heat, yes. They were they were I have them here because just in general they were having great matches. They were doing great shit. 
you know, and, and they were, right. they were fantastic. I also though, and, and it's just because I am, I am for all their, for all their faults, I am a mark for this team because of how different they were and the spectacle that they created. And it's, it's, it's the gangsters. Um, I am a big fan of them. Um, good team. People, Very good people, team. people can say what they want about New Jack. New Jack entertains me. Mustafa being the crazy motherfucker entertains me. I'm a fan of. I'm a fan of the gangsters. So I can, for me, it's kind of a tie between Harlem Heat and the yeah. gangsters for '95. And, and 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 I'm not gonna say anything bad about the gangsters either. But I was kind of looking at. I don't want to say match quality. Yeah, match quality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. And that's why I said for the gangsters, for me, it's more of the personality and the spectacle and and the gimmick. And I mean, they just were fucking yeah. amazing. It's so yeah. fun to watch. Harlem Heat and then the gangsters. Like, <laughs> Harlem Heat was like, we want you to go out there and perspective is reality, and they're not gonna like you guys because you're big black dudes with a light chick. You know what I mean? But don't 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 talk about it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't bring up the race thing, but these people aren't gonna like you because right. you're in the and you're African American. Harlem Heat could have been the gangsters. Right. <laughs> in corporate T Turner broadcasting. Like they mm-hmm. could have come out there and been like, Where are the white women at? Oh, in right. Our- right. <laughs> right. but they couldn't yeah. they couldn't say it, but they could imply <laughs> it. Yeah. Whereas the gangsters well, we're just like fuck it. We'll say whatever the fuck we want. They, they certainly and in the meantime, in the meantime, we'll staple a dollar bill to your head. Yeah, <laughs> they certainly knew where one of the white women were at at all times. So Jerry was at their head. So. The readers of the torch say number three, the smoking guns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and number two, Harlem Heat, and. Vi- the number one team voted by the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter readers in 1995. Aaron's going to Aaron's 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 Shawn Michaels and Diesel. Aaron might react to this even more volatilely. The public enemy. Oh! oh. <laughs> what the fuck were they even really doing in 95? They got beat by the gangsters. They went to WCW. Be like, what the fuck? <laughs> Jesus. I might have rather to be Shawn Michaels in these. <laughs> I just love that both of you at the same time are like, Ugh. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> no way. Team. No way. The fucking Nasty <laughs> Boys in 95 were better than Public Enemy. <laughs> you want to know the truth? It's not even so much Rocco Rockets, it's Johnny Grunge. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. Rocco, at least, I don't know, there, he was a little entertaining at times. But Johnny Grunge was just like, I don't know, a sack of skin. A meat bag. A meat sack. Yeah. Yeah. Like a meat. <laughs> All right. Yeah. 95. Best promos. I already answered this one for my pick earlier with Cactus Jack. Uh, I agree mine, with mine's Raven. I go with Solid. Cactus with so let's see what the let's see what the readers of the torch said. Best promos number three, Ric Flair. All right, of course. Number two, Shawn Michaels. No, no. I, I, uh, 
like I don't I like babyface Shawn Michaels in the ring, but I hate babyface Shawn Michaels promos. I agree. I agree. I, this too much too much ass sucking. Be, yeah, this guy shouldn't be that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when he's in the ring and he's a baby face, it's fine. And it's also great when he's in the ring and he's a baby face because he's being in the ring and nobody can tell him what to do in the ring. So he's kind of an asshole when he's in the ring. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like even when even when Sean Babyface Sean was in the ring, he was still doing the and I and I said it was detrimental to him being like the best wrestler or whatever. I want to preface that by saying when Shawn Michaels went into business for himself, it was fucking entertaining. And I love yeah. it. <laughs> but then I look at it, I'm like, yeah, he didn't do anybody any favors. Like, <clears throat> there's that fucking raw when Jimmy Del Rey dances at him, and then like Sean just looks at him, puts his fucking hand on his nose, and like, Ooh, this guy Ooh, stinks. stinks. <laughs> <laughs> this so guy funny. stinks. Yeah. And then the torch readers num- number one for best promos of '95, Cactus Jack. Of course. So yeah, why Sean's there and Raven isn't? I really don't know. I don't know. Um, Worst promos of '95. Damn, I, I have to up with this one. Uh, worst promo of '1995. Yeah, uh, I know it's tough. <laughs> it is tough. It's pretty rough. I would say, I would say for me. Just if I'm if I'm picking, I'm actually picking this one out of the air. I would say probably Mabel. Uh, that's a close one. Yeah, Mabel. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, then no, I'm looking at the torch thing, and they might be right. <laughs> they might be right. <laughs> Maybe I'll agree with yeah. That. Read us off the torch because I, I, like I said, I'm right. really stuck on this one. The torch says, that I don't remember any promos he said, but I'm just going to say fucking the butcher. Okay. Yeah, I, think this was, I think this was the year of yes, no, yes, yeah. no. So no. you might be. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. No, promo, the fucking Zodiac. For the torch readers, I actually don't agree with the number one, but we'll get to that. Uh, number three is Alex Wright. <laughs> you barely understood what he was saying, though. Like, was that why he was the worst promo? Because he couldn't understand what he was talking about. Number two is the Renegade. Yeah. Okay. I want to change number- my vote. I want to change my vote. I agree with <laughs> and number number one, I disagree with this because as much as as we talked about earlier about how hokey and shit he was in '95. Hulk Hogan is not ever a bad promo, right. but he was number one. So I think no. that's more of the Smarkies. Yeah, yeah that was just people really you know, hating him in 95 yeah. and wanting to give it to him. Yeah, they're just jacking themselves off. Yeah, you, I mean, you can say what – I mean, I, I'll say what I want. You can say what you want about how goofy it is with Hogan in the Dungeon of Doom and all the hokey shit they did and blah, blah, blah. But Hogan was never a bad promo, <laughs> you know? No. He made the so, stupidity work. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Number, or the next one is most underutilized. And I say 
Archie, you might agree. I don't know. Based on what we were talking about earlier with the stupid teacher gimmick, most underutilized was Shane Douglas because if he would have brought him into the WWF as Shane Douglas, and obviously it's WWF, they're not going to call him the franchise, but come up with some other nickname for him and let him be Shane Douglas. Why not, though? See, that's the argument I always had. He wasn't their franchise, but he was the franchise, you know. Right. There are guys who go to football teams from other teams and like, I was the captain on the Rams. And the coach is like, but you're not our captain yet. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So give him a chance. To, like, we Look, we all knew Shane going to the WWF was not going to lead him to the world title. <laughs> but he it could have. Gonna, but it could have led him to getting a shot at the world title when Sean finally got the belt mm-hmm. or when Brett had the belt. Or even against Diesel. You know what I mean? And the thing that I'm going to say this, and I mean it, Sean, Diesel, Scott Hall, and Hulk Hogan never learned, is that even through your politicking, if you have real-life hostility with someone, you can make it work on the back end in a paper, in a wrestling promo. Oh, yeah. and Dusty, and Flair, Dusty and Flair right. did it all the time. You know? Why, um, why were... Some of Brett and Sean's best promos at the last days, the best, because they were real. When Sean said, Brett had sunny days, everybody went, ooh, is that real? You and know? and my, my thing about Shane has always been, by probably about 98, 99, I thought that his shtick got old and tired. Well, and and he says that. The Dick, he says the Dick that Flair times. stuff and all that stuff. Right. but. At this time, from 93 through 96, right? man, if they would have capitalized on his talent at that time, on the mic and in the yeah, ring. Man. So that's why he, yeah. I, I say he's most underutilized, 95. Definitely, definitely. Aaron? Um, mine's more outside the box because the guy was everywhere, but I don't think they used him in the way they should have used him as mm-hmm. Owen Hart. Owen Hart was, if I, I'll go from 1989 to his death, Owen Hart decade of underutilized. <laughs> Let's be honest, right. you know. Even when <laughs> he, he should have been a world champion at some point. Yeah, even when he had like one of the belts on his waist, it was it was like he was still shot, overshadowed by Brett and Bulldog. And like I said, I know that he was everywhere, and he was like on the in your houses and 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 shit like that. But I. And I like him and Yoko as a team and everything like that. But mm-hmm. it's like, Owen should be doing more than just teaming with Yoko as the tag team champion. Yeah. And and I just think that in 95, they just, they, they, they cooled him off too much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in 94, mm-hmm. he was the shit in 94. He was the biggest heel in the fucking business. And then they just, they just chilled him in 95. And I think it, I think it hurt his trajectory towards being at the top of the card, in my opinion. I agree. And you know what never made sense to me about Owen? No one ever found out why Vince was not serious about pushing him because we all know Brett would have let Owen get pushed over him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if, if Vince would have came to Brett and said, okay, we're putting the belt on Owen tonight. You're going to you're gonna lose Owen. But yes, let's do it. You know what right. I mean? And you I'm know, sure there were plenty of guys in that locker room that were like, "Yeah, Owen's the man. Go for it." You know what I mean? You know what? I, you know what? I, I honestly got. Why? Think I know why Vince McMahon why? never, never 
pulled the trigger on Owen. Because Owen Hart was not willing to sacrifice family. his family and give everything to the WWF. But he, he, he still gave everything to the WWF. Hmm? He was there every night. He was. He still gave I know, everything. But, he but I'm, there but I'm every saying, night. He didn't I'm, get injured Archie, often. Archie, what I'm saying is, if everything I've ever heard about Owen is true... And and I'm oh I, I agree with sure it is. That, yes. My thing is is with how you hear about Owen with his family and shit, right? And, and everybody I, I've heard multiple people say this, even people in his family, saying that Owen had an exit strategy for wrestling, where he was cheap on the road, right? Like he, he would be buy like bologna and ramen noodles and shit like that, and save every dime that he made. Because his edu- ed- ed- ah, sorry, exit strategy was to be out of the professional wrestling business when he hit 40. To where he could okay, just be that's fine, and, yeah. And, then, and that's fine. And what I'm saying is that's why I don't think Vince wanted to do it. Because I, I, I know I talked about like, oh, Brett's a great guy. But if... <coughs> if, if, if like Bret Hart's wife would have called him and said, if you don't leave the road, if you don't leave the WWF, I'm out. I'm done. Bret Hart would have been like, sorry, see ya. If Kevin Nash's wife would have called him, called him and said, if you don't come off the road, if you don't quit, I'm done. I'm leaving. Kevin Nash would have been like, that sucks, babe, but have a good have a good life. Shawn Michaels would have said the same thing. If Martha Hart would have called Owen Hart and said, Owen, I need you home. I just need you to have a regular life so you can be here to be with your kids. Oh, without a doubt. Without a Owen doubt. would have said, fuck it, I'm out, Vince. And I think, <laughs> yeah. God, that is why. Because Owen Hart was not willing to be the guy to take a fucking phone call from Vince McMahon at 3 o'clock in the morning saying, get on a plane right. and fly to Connecticut. We need to talk. Owen would have been right. like, no, i got a soccer game tomorrow. And that's why... That's why they never did it. So you looked at him as possibly unreliable. And, and I don't even say, I don't say unreliable because Owen's a, a reliable person. No, we're unreliable man, in the way of putting his heart uh, putting his heart beneath the ring, you know. Yeah, but, but behind the like, like all those other guys put the company before their family. Owen right. put his family before the company. Like Owen, uh. didn't, look at, Owen didn't look at what? I wish we wouldn't have had a got, gotten into this conversation while I'm six beers deep. You know what really fucking sucks? Lay it on us. Aaron just told us why. Why they never got behind Owen. He wouldn't give up his family and his life at home for the business, and he died in that fucking ring. Yeah, exactly. God I mean. damn it. That's what I mean. He got injured. He still wrestled. He got. He was. He needed a day he off. Literally, he, he literally died yep. in that fucking ring. God, that's that's the that's like the the worst kind of poetry, you know. Jesus, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be a Debbie Downer there, but it just. But but, but, but Nate, tell me I'm wrong. No, you're no, not, you're and that's not. what I'm saying. That's what's more. That's what's the most heartbreaking. And I'm not saying that anybody dying in the ring isn't heartbreaking, but that's what the most heartbreaking thing. The family guy died in that 
as 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 Brett says, we're like cattle. He died in the fucking you know in the fucking on the ranch in the fucking mm-hmm. cage instead of dying at home with his family, and it's really fucking sad. It's so sad. I mean, I mean, it's at all. That's just what I'm. No, like, I, I agree. Not, I, I wasn't trying to make this the own. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> trying to make this the Owen Hart tragedy story because we. I know. Talked uh, about it all the time. I but, but, and, and like I said, I I'm not Vince McMahon. I don't know Vince McMahon. I'll never know him. But I honestly got think that's why they never did more than what they did with him because Owen, like I said, Owen would 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 probably have worked out any contract that he had. But I guarantee if Martha would have called him and said, Owen, I want you to come home, Owen probably would have said, look. My contract's another eight months. I have nine months of my contract. <clears throat> I told these people I'd be here for nine months, and that's what I'm going to do. And in nine months, I'll come home, and I'll, I'll fucking firefight. Because yeah. that's what he wanted to be was a firefighter. Mm-hmm. And the only reason he got in the fucking wrestling business was because Stampede was fucking hurting, and he wanted to help his family. And that's the only fucking reason he got into wrestling. He didn't want to be a wrestler. He wanted to fucking be a fireman and just stay home. Mm-hmm. He got in the fucking wrestling business because his dad asked him to. And he's fucking loyal to his family. And he didn't have kids at that time. So his dad was his family. So he got in the family fucking business to support his family. Mm-hmm. And like I said, if his wife would have told him to come home, he would have fucking went home. And Vince knew that shit. Knew this it. is what pisses me off more about what because of how right Aaron is. But how big of an asshole Vince McMahon is. Look how loyal uh, Owen actually was to Vince. Brett, Davey, and Jim take off after the screw job. And Owen stuck around. Where I was think... your trainer thought to say, that's my next WWE champion? Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, what the torch said, the torch readers said in this yeah, category. Oh, yeah, we're talking about rewards. That's right. <laughs> Most underutilized number three, Shane Douglas. Number two, Skip Chris Candido. That's a good one. Okay. And number one, Al Snow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I honestly forgot about Al Snow in '95. That was when he did uh, what was the Mortal Kombat gimmick thing? He, he did Shinobi, Shinobi, Avatar, yeah. and he did Avatar, Avatar too. Shinobi. But he did Shinobi. He did Shinobi and accidentally fell off the ropes. No, that was as Avatar. No, it was Shinobi. He fell off, he, he fell off the ropes of Shinobi when he debuted, and at first he was just supposed to be Shinobi the Black Ninja, and when he accidentally fell. Since it was on TV, they just told him he was going to be a clumsy ninja. <laughs> You're a clumsy ninja. So they got rid of that. <laughs> and then they made him Avatar, and Avatar was terrible. They just let Al be Al. And they should have just let Chris be Chris. I know they didn't want to mm-hmm. call him Chris Candido or whatever, but just let him be Chris. Yeah. Like, let him be let him be the little shit heel, like the little cocky little guy. That everybody looks at the crowd, like everybody in the crowd looks at and goes, I'm a fucking foot and a half taller than this guy. <laughs> he's like looking up at people being like, fuck you. You know, and he's got the hot mm-hmm. chick. With him. Like, yeah. why is that chick with him for? He's like fucking 
five foot seven. You know what I mean? He must, he must have a he must have a twenty seven inch long tongue. Jesus, can he lick his nostril? Or like a big old dong on him, and that's gonna make him mad too. <laughs> like not only are we mad because I'm taller than you, and you're telling me I'm a piece of shit, but you got a big old dong, and you're wandering around with Sunny. <laughs> but so so yeah, I'd agree with that list, and I and I'd put those. It was kind of like what we said about um, the best wrestler list. I'd I'd put those guys on like in that order underneath underneath Owen. Mm-hmm. All right, the last category for 1995 most overpushed Mabel agreed Hogan But Hogan could actually make money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but yeah, but people would be like Hulk Hogan's in town, I'll go see that. But how many people ever said, "Hey baby, you want to go to dinner? Hey, I don't know. Hulk Hogan's wrestling at the fucking fairgrounds. I want to rather go see that. <laughs> but then somebody's like, oh, baby, you want to go to dinner? Uh, sure. I just looked it up. Mabel will be here tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> hear ye, hear ye, servants and wenches. Nobody has ever put money down to pay to see fucking Mabel wrestle. Now you don't know that. Now there's notice, might come a time. Notice. No, 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 hold on. Now, hold, no, on. hold on. Hold on. Nate is going to do a slice in time one time. He's going to be doing some indie results, and Mabel will be on one of the cards. And someone coughed up twenty bucks in a gymnasium to see Mabel wrestle. No, yeah. that's because Nikolai Volkov was on the card. They or Tito, right? <laughs> yeah, Tito. <laughs> Tito versus Nikolai Volkov. <laughs> they coughed up twenty bucks because they live in fucking Pawtucket or whatever, and nothing else is going on. They didn't go. Oh, I don't know if I want to go to that wrestling show. I, ref- I I'm not gonna spend my money. And then they're like, "Hey, Mabel, will be here." They're like, what? Let me tell you something. <laughs> I'll tell I you. Wasn't gonna give you money and concessions, but now here- that you told me Mabel is here. Here's why Mabel. Here's why Mabel is my pick, and here's why Aaron is right that nobody ever plunked down any money to see Mabel. And this is not hating on Nelson Frazier. He's part of the show. Lower on the card, exactly. Lower on the card, perfectly fine. Right. But here's why I say this: for every single main event star in the history of the WWF. Heel or babyface. If you were in a championship match, if you were in a championship program, if you were a big star, at some point you had a shirt or a hat or a fucking underwear or something. The WWF slapped your name on some merchandise and said people are going to buy this. There was never a fucking piece of Mabel merchandise and he was in the main event of SummerSlam. I think there was a mom shirt. I don't think there now, was a Mabel. Well, I guess I'm talking about King Mabel, singles there was, wrestler. Right. There was right. a Men on a Mission shirt. Right. There was mom. a King Mabel shirt. Right. Because they were like, this guy's so not over. We can't even merchandise a shirt. We can't put a King Mabel shirt out because we're going to lose money on it. <laughs> Nobody's going to buy it. His mother won't even buy it. And like I So said, anyway. I'm not hating on Nelson Frazier, Mabel. 
the man, okay? But Mabel is the big guy that you send out there, and everybody's like, oh, my God, look at that fat motherfucker. That dude's fucking huge. You know what I mean? And he's, like, buried in, like, the third or middle match and working with Mo and Mo. Honestly, Mo was a pretty goddamn good worker. Like, I don't know much about him. And you know he was in shape carrying that 500 pounds around yeah. for a long time. And like I said, like, Mo could, like, hit moonsaults and all that shit. Like, Mo was a good worker and a good bump taker. But, um... <clears throat> I think Aaron's just saying Mabel because he has a personal feud with Oscar. No, I have a funny Oscar story, though. It's not You and Oscar have a feud. Yeah, I do. It's well known here on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. He was always mean mugging me. And I swear, <laughs> and I swear Every, to God, he, I swear to God, he says feet. Like I told him that, like he was sitting there and he's like mean mugging me, and I was like, oh man, look at Oscar over there. He's like mean mugging me and shit. And he ain't doing nothing, and he wanted like autograph. Like if you want an autograph from from Mo five or Oscar, it's like five bucks, and like he just wrote it on fucking notebook paper with a pen. <laughs> he didn't even try. And I think he heard me talking shit about him because he like mean mugged me the entire time. I was like, man, I bet that dude says feats. Because he didn't get up or anything. I bet he was like, I ain't doing nothing tonight. Got the diabetes and the and the gout and my feet hurt. <laughs> but Oscar is also the subject of one of my favorite wrestling stories ever. And it's in Brett's book. Okay. Do you guys remember this story? I do. They were in Germany. Okay. The WWF went to Germany. And Neidhart and Brett go into this bar. And it's like dudes in like leather jackets and like fucking metal music's going and everything like that. And they're looking around. And it's just a bunch of dudes and all this shit's going on. And they realize what they're in is a skinhead bar. Oh, God. And Brett and Neidhart are fine. Big, girly white dudes. Everything's fine, you know? And they're having a good old time. They're, they're, they're like, we don't want to leave yet, or whatever. And then Brett said... Out in the distance, they see walking through the door, not knowing what he's walking into, is Oscar. Who is a, not an athlete, just a little pudgy little black guy, walks in, and Brett's like, basically the music stopped. And everybody <laughs> the needle scratched on the record, and it was like, yeah, I'm you're wondering how I got here. And Oscar was like, excuse me while I whip this out. <laughs> no, Oscar was just like, I'll take a beer. Because <laughs> he didn't turn right back out, but he knew exactly what he walked into. And Brett said, Oscar walked right up to that bar, put his Dorkshire down or whatever they call their fucking German money, ordered his fucking beer, chugged it, slammed it down on the bar, said, Good evening, gentlemen, and turned around and walked back out. <laughs> and Brett was like, At that night, at that time, Oscar was the toughest son of a bitch in wrestling. Because he was like, I ain't gonna let him run me away. Fuck Amen. And me and Jim were like, way to go, Oscar. 
that that's my Oscar <laughs> story. But yeah, Mabel, fucking most over. He might be the most overpushed wrestler in history. All right, Aaron. Aaron, I said Mabel. Archie said Hogan. So let's end this show. Let's round it out and find out what the torch readers said. Nineteen ninety-five, most overpushed. Number three of the Dungeon of Doom. <laughs> they put him as a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Not a single wrestler. Yes, all of you. All of you. Oh, that's funny. Number two, Lex Luger. Okay. Makes sense. And number one, Paul Kogan. I disagree. I disagree on a fundamental business basis with their vote. I understand it's it's the smarky fans and it's Hulk Hogan and they have to shit on Hulk Hogan because that's what they do. Because they, they don't think in a business stance. They think in a, you know, smarky stance. But I, I say Mabel because, and we have discussed it, for all the goofiness and the stupidness and the silliness of Hulk Hogan in 95 for WCW, why when, wouldn't when, they push Hulk Hogan? When, when's the first year that WCW owned? And that is when our connection failed. Yes, the internet failed us at the end of the show this week. We didn't get to finish our conversation, but we got through all of the awards, and I thought it was a great conversation about the Pro Wrestling Torch Awards from 1995. And uh, thank you all for listening this week to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And I would remind you before we sign off here, before I go off the air and head off into Christmas time. Um, to check out all the other shows on the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network, including Archie's show, If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking, which is our modern product show on the network, along with Mark Brew every single week, talking about the modern product and professional wrestling, along with Aaron's show, The Year That Was. Right now he is going through 1997. Myself and Slice of Time, talking about all the news and notes from 25 years ago in pro wrestling, and of course, Reliving the Extreme, where we discuss the history of ECW week-to-week with myself, Aaron, and Chad Austin. And one more. Let's talk about Maximum Gold. Wait, there's more. Maximum Gold with myself and David Gold and the Asylum Wrestling Podcast. So there you go. So many shows to check out here on the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network. And thank you for joining us this week for the Wrestle We Can't Wrestle Podcast. I'm tripping over my own tongue here. And... Um, Thank you all, and have a great holiday season again. Like I said at the beginning of the show, whatever shit, whatever holiday you celebrate, please enjoy it. Enjoy your family. Enjoy the time. And we will see you again after the new year here on the We Can't Wrestle Podcast. We Can't Wrestle podcast is a production of Maxin Out Media, all rights reserved.